0: Welcome, everyone, into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. New Cowboys articles up there every single day of the week with news, analysis, opinion, and, of course, Here on the show, primetime presented to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, let's get into the news because there were some official news. Finally, finally, the Cowboys signed Jason Peters. They signed him to the practice squad. He gets number 71, by the way, which is why I wanted to get into the uh, number changes because there were a lot in case you get – I don't want you guys to get caught off guard when the Cowboys take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Sunday night. So we, we need to review this. But first, Jason Peters gets signed. He gets signed to the practice squad. That was expected. And that means that in order for him to play this week, the Cowboys would have to either sign him to the roster or elevate him for game day. Because remember that you have a 53-man roster. You can suit up 48 players. But out of those 53, you can also elevate two others from the practice squad per week. Now, the Cowboys, if they want to play Peters in week one, which remains to be seen because of the ramp-up period, etc. But if they do want Jason Peters to suit up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they would probably need to sign somebody from the practice squad to the roster because you can elevate only two players per week. And right now, Cooper Rush is in the practice squad. Brett Maher is in the practice squad. Jason Peters as well. So the math doesn't add up. We'll see what happens. It is possible that the Cowboys decide to keep the 40-year-old tackle in the practice squad for a week maybe roster him until week two which in turn would also mean that the Cowboys do not have to guarantee his contract as you probably know And that would be smart financially for the Cowboys and of course Jason Peters might also want to ramp up a little bit before, before he gets started. Now when he does get started We can only speculate as to what the plan will actually be because officially, Tyler Smith is said to be your starter at left tackle. And extra officially, we don't know if that is only temporary until the Cowboys can play Jason Peters and then slide Smith back into the inside of the offensive line. And even if the Cowboys give us hints here and there with public comments, I think we will just have to wait to find out. Jason Peters gets number seventy-one. That that number belonged to Will Scott He will now play with number seventy-nine, which most recently belonged to Tyne Sick. But then we get a lot a, a lot of other number changes for the Cowboys. By the way, we've got Anthony Barr going from fifty-one to forty-two. Deron Bland thirty to twenty-six. Remember that Jordan Lewis is not wearing 26 anymore. He will wear number two this year as the Cowboys nickel cornerback, Jake Ferguson. I hated this one. Let me know in the chat whether thumbs up or thumbs down for Jake Ferguson's number change because I, I think this one will be controversial. From 48, Jake Ferguson goes to 87. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Let me know in the comments. I want to know how you feel about this one. Because I thought that 48 for Jake Ferguson looked cold. And there's also the historic context of the Cowboys, number 48. So that was cool. And especially since we are excited about Ferguson, we were set to enjoy it, really. Maybe if Jake Ferguson was not looking as good as he's been looking, maybe we would all be in agreement that Jake Ferguson should change his jersey number. But I, I, I did hate hearing about the rookie not getting to wear number 48. Uh, on a similar note, Peyton Hander's shot goes from 49 to 89. Kevontae Turpin, this is a weird one. Originally, it was reported that Turpin would take Tony Romo's number. We even had a discussion about it last week. But now it isn't a sure thing. It appears it could be nine or 16. I don't know what that is about. I don't know if we've gotten more information there, but you know, according to Michael Gillikin, both numbers are an option for the Cowboys kick returner. Dennis Houston goes from three to 17. Three was already taken by Anthony Brown. Matt, well, let's go. We already said that 171 to 79. And then finally, Malik Jefferson. 49 to 46. There you go. Those are the number changes. Let's see how you guys felt about that number change for Jake Ferguson. I wanted him to wear 48, honestly, and I don't like, I, I I don't like tight ends that don't wear a a number in the 80s, but 48 specifically. It's kind of a cold look. Gregory goes with the thumbs up. Bruce says that I liked the traditional tight end numbers. 7-Eleven says, 80 is the tight end's number. I am on board with it. Joey Bella with a thumbs up. Let's see here. Happy Labor Day, Mark Andrew. Welcome into the show. Thumbs up. Oh, it turns out everyone likes Jake Ferguson going to 87. Uh, am I alone here? <laughs> Toxic says, Jake from State Farm looks better with 87. Bruce says, let, turbin, let Turbo Turpin have number nine. It's not off limits. Ninja says, I don't care about a wide receiver wearing nine, but 16 is a better number. Let's see. I swear Turpin has had 18 number changes. It's toxic Tom. Yeah, I, I am okay with Turpin taking over nine. Uh, I, I said this the other day. I do think that it means something. It means that the Cowboys are like high on, on Turpin. I don't think that it's a number that should be off limits or anything like that, but, but I do find it relevant that he is getting number nine if he does. <laughs> a quarterback getting nine wearing nine. I get people feeling some way about it, but he's a wide receiver, says so Ninja. Yeah, the, the only thing that I feel about Turpin taking nine if he does is, as I said, that it's relevant, that, that, that it's a front office trying to sell the fans something, whether it's something important or not. That's a maybe that's a different topic, but I do think it's intentional. That's what I mean. When I say that maybe Turpin getting nine means something for the Cowboys. Shouldn't be off limits. I agree with that. And I agree, though. I agree with Ninja. Maybe you don't want to give it to a quarterback, especially because you already have one. And if you give it to a quarterback, it would likely be to a backup quarterback. So, yeah, number nine for a quarterback might be off limits, not for other positions. I agree with that one. Anyways. I was surprised. I thought that many of you would, would also would have preferred number 48 for Jake Ferguson. I, I felt alone on, on that vote. It does happen. <laughs> Toxic Tom, you, you think this is funny, but it really isn't. Mo, is it true Torping jerseys are only sold in youth sizes? You might laugh about that, but I can think of a certain primetime host that, that benefits... From youth years is being available because maybe he or she, I'm not going to reveal who we're talking about, but maybe he or she either wears small jerseys for adults or extra large jerseys for youth fans. I'm not I'm not going to say who we're talking about here, but I certainly don't mind Turpin. Getting the youth sizes in his jerseys, right? <laughs> Mo can get one then. This ninja. <laughs> there you go. Hit the like button, by the way. Let's talk some football. Let's talk about the Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because they, they are set to play Sunday night in Dallas, AT&T Stadium. <laughs> Gregory says, I thought you were talking about yourself, Mo. Yeah, definitely I was. Don't worry. Oh, oh. Bruce says mo which football broadcast has the best music. I like Fox's Game of the Week or NBC Primetime. I'm going to go with Sunday Night Football. Sun- Sunday Night has always been my favorite time slot uh, uh, to play a game for the Cowboys like uh, I I always want to see the Cowboys play on Sunday Night. That's my favorite time slot and 99% of that is the intro song to Sunday Night Football. Uh that's Not even an exaggeration, I believe. I just remember maybe being a kid and and, and really genuinely waiting all week, as the song says, right? Waiting all day for the Sunday night. That was my reality. And I've always liked the the song. So definitely, I would go with, with NBC primetime. Now, college football, though, ESPN's music is the best. Tom says, it's okay. It's you, Mo. All right. All right, we, we we don't have to we don't have to to fully clarify that a point. We'll just say exactly, exactly, Toxic Tom. A friend, a friend of a friend, we'll say. Anyways, let's talk about the game then. Let's talk about the Cowboys taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are two point favorites. Even as a road team, Demarcus Lawrence said that he was taken by surprise by that. He said that he expected to be the favorite, but that, hey, he doesn't care. The game has got to be played. And as I discussed last night, I actually thought that the Buccaneers were going to be favorites by maybe three and a half points or maybe even four points. Just based on the market sentiment that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are perceived as a favorite in the conference and the Cowboys, the, the market is not even sure who's winning the NFC East. That's the Impression that we've been getting from fans and, and the markets and, an, and analysts and all of that throughout the entire league. So when I saw the number, I was surprised. And I was thinking about those matchups that could really tilt the game in the Cowboys' favor. And there's one that stands out above every other matchup in this game. The one matchup that I really believe The Cowboys can win, and that can have a big impact on the outcome of this football game. Now, I will say this. Truth or false, let me know in the comments. Truth or false, if Dallas wins, it will be because of the defense. Let me know what you think about that statement. Truth or false, if the Cowboys win on Sunday night, It will likely be because of the defense. Let me know what you guys think about it on the YouTube chat and the Facebook chat. And while you do, and before I tell you the matchup that I'm thinking about, let me talk to you about our friends over at Freeman Mazda, because the ride of the week is the new CX-9 Grand Touring. And we're talking about a vehicle here that includes all-wheel drive features, third row seating. It's got rear air conditioning, sunroof. And a heated leather memory power seating system, adaptive cruise control, and a miles per gallon capacity of 20 in the city. That goes up to 26 miles per gallon when you are in the highway. But make sure you check out the CX9 Grand Touring, it is a spacious vehicle. Check it out on Freeman Mazda because when you choose Freeman Mazda as your car dealership, you are choosing a lifelong partnership as your car dealer. So make sure you go. Check it out. Check the inside pictures, the outside pictures of the CX-9 Grand Touring over at FreemanMazda.net. The matchup that I'm thinking about, and and from what I can see in the comments, a lot of people agree. A lot of people are counting on the Cowboys defense to be the one that, that really takes the Cowboys to victory on Sunday, including Jerry Johnson here on Facebook, El Tino, Charlene, Gregory, Tammy over at Facebook, Mark Andrew disagrees. He says false. And Ninja, Ninja here, uh, I couldn't agree more. He says true, but I don't think the offense sucks either. Hey, Ninja, I will copy paste your comment and use it as my answer because I know we're concerned about the tackle situation. I know we're concerned about the wide receivers, but I'm not expecting the Cowboys to suck on offense. This has been a unit that as long as it has Dak Prescott on their center, it should be efficient. It should find a way to move the football, even if the decision-making is, is not ideal. But the one matchup that I think that the Cowboys can really exploit is the interior offensive line for the Tampa Bay Bucks. You will hear throughout this week plenty of times that the Bucks have three new starters between the tackles. Because they've got a new left guard, a new center, and a new right guard. Honestly, I'm going to be even more specific. I'm going to talk about the left guard and the center. Because, yeah, there's a new right guard in Tampa. But I actually think that's kind of an upgrade. <laughs> Jack Mason is probably a better guard than Alex Kappa, who ended up signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. So I I don't think there's an advantage there necessarily. I think the Jack Mason and Tristan Wirfs will be pretty solid in the right side. Now the Cowboys do have Micah. They have D-Law, so it's an even matchup there on that front. But I'm looking at the center and the left guard for the Tampa Bay Bucks as their biggest weakness. At center, they have Robert Hainsey. He's a third-round pick out of Notre Dame. And he played 31 snaps last year. He's in his second year in the NFL. Only 31 snaps, about 5% of the offensive uh, snaps for the box last year. He was a tackle in Notre Dame with the Fighting Irish. And he was actually pretty successful as a as a tackle when he was in college. But he's making the transition to center. He's taking over a hurt Ryan Jensen. It's not like he had a lot of time to really adjust and get used to snapping the football to Tom Brady. So maybe that's also a factor in this game. But then a left guard, this might be be the biggest weakness in the entire offensive line. He is a second-round rookie out of Central Michigan. He did not have a pretty preseason. Specifically, he did not have a good game versus the Titans. He was called for two holdings. He was blown up in a play that, Really showed that he can be bitten with power. And I thought he was really overcome with power on that football game overall. That isn't to say that he absolutely sucks and he shouldn't be starting in the NFL. He probably should be. But I do wonder how the Cowboys can exploit this matchup. How can you get pressure from the A-gaps and the B-gaps here versus Tom Brady? The fastest path to the quarterback, right? The inside rushes. And I've talked about uh, this a lot on primetime before, but I am completely in love with the way Dan Quinn will throw out some four defensive end looks on defense instead of using the tackles and, or, or maybe get a defensive end as a mocked up linebacker over the center, treading the A-gap. Dan Quinn has been aggressive that way for a while now. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the Cowboys use that, right? Will we see maybe Micah Parsons and Anthony Barr mucked up over the center? That's also something that Anthony Barr did a lot when he was with the Vikings. And the, and the Cowboys will know that for sure. Will we see maybe this front in which DeMarcus Lawrence is, I don't know, Try to maybe they try to use him on the left side of things as well, inside. That wasn't that crazy last year when, when they were trying to isolate DeMarcus Lawrence Versus guards in passing situations, could we see that? But but from the left side, when they want, if they want to exploit that weakness, that's something that I do wonder about. But also, I am thinking about Oza taking that step forward and maybe trying to destroy the left guard each and every play. Neville Gallimore can Chancey Golston step up as well as a player that we are expecting to play inside as well. That's a matchup that I think that the Cowboys can really win. And that if there, there's one weakness to this offense, it is those two at center and left guard, which is ironically quite similar to what we will discuss about the Cowboys, right? Swain says blitz up that A-gap. That's what I would like, definitely. I want to see mucked up linebackers over the center. I want to see stand up defensive ends. I want to see what some people call the NASCAR front. So, when you see four defensive ends out there, you can think of the NASCAR front. I really don't know where that term comes from, uh, where the connection happens, but some people call it that. And I've always liked that term. Oh, and yeah, they're wide receivers at the line, says Gregory. Cowboys are well equipped to attack the middle, says Jose. And while that is true, while that is true in our minds, they also do kind of need to prove it. I know that they can get the the, the pass rush thing right. I mean, we saw the significant flashes from it, uh, from from Oza last year. We we know what Neville Gallimore is about. But also, collectively, the Cowboys defensive tackles sucked versus the run. So that's also a part of this, right? Attacking the middle in pass rush, but also knowing that you need to defend the run in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to run the football down your throat as well. They're going to run duo. That's uh, bread and butter for their offense. They're going to try to double team you in the running game, but also how much does that change when you don't have the chemistry that you had in, in previous years? That That's actually something that I uh, right now I'm thinking about. Uh, I hadn't thought about this before, before the show. Right now that we are talking, they like to run a lot of duo. And that means, you know, getting Ali Marpet and Ryan Jensen together for blocks. Ryan Jensen and Alex Kappa together for blocks. Are you going to have that same chemistry to pull off those running plays with three new offensive linemen in the middle? I hadn't thought about that, but the point remains: the Cowboys still need to prove it on the run defense side of things. That so they can, they can win in the middle. That's something that we are hoping. That they're able to do by improving, because it's not like the Cowboys added a defensive tackle to this unit. It's about betting on those players stepping up. Seven Eleven says, "Attack the middle, but you better cover Leonard Fournette out of the backfield." Cowboys will have sack Martin these years, says Ultra Cowboy. Yes, they will. I actually, you know, uh, we, we will discuss that for sure. Lunatic says from the New York Giants rush package, they named it the NASCAR package. Says the lunatic. Oh, really? Did they? But then, what is the what is the connection there? I will tell you something. I know nothing about NASCAR. Like literally nothing. Not my sport. Uh, not even because I don't like it. I just have not seen it or follow it much. Uh, the one time that I was super. Involved with NASCAR was when they came to my uh, – the NASCAR Mexico series came to my hometown, and I was in there for it. But uh, I want more context there. <laughs> Bruce says, Mo, Cowboys need to run the ball attacking the edges too. Last time they didn't really run, and it was always up the middle. Last time was an insane football game. They they passed 58 times. I believe those were the the attempts by, by Dak at the end of that game. I will say this: I don't know if I'm that interested in running in running towards the Tampa Bay Bucs defense either, especially not to the middle. I would like more than the running game. I would just like to see a lot of quick, game, quick game for the Cowboys. And when I say quick game, I don't even mean like a three-step drop back. I, I, I mean, you know, just a quick one-read play, slant, hitches, flats, all of that. I know it's not sexy offense for you, but I would probably prioritize quick game elements to this game rather than the running game just because I am scared about Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks and you know Logan Hall, who who will be a, a key part of this team as well. NASCAR because they were all fast, Sasam so Monroe. Is that actually it? Is that actually it? Because if it is, then I love that. <laughs> I do love that, Samuel. Uh, Matthew Villegas. what is up? Welcome into the show. It was a 2007 Giants, says Samuel. Oh, okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Professor O says, Mauricio knows more about Lightning McQueen than he does NASCAR drivers. I confirm that. I can confirm that for you guys. Uh, I do like Formula One. I recently got into it uh, before this season started. I started, uh, you know, getting into Formula One and I have followed this season pretty closely, but not NASCAR though, not NASCAR. Mo says six to midnight. What do you think about an up-tempo, no huddle offense for Dallas against the Bucs? I like that idea. Definitely six to midnight. And maybe some people will disagree with me, but I... Could see the Cowboys going for something like that, especially. And I'm trying to get numbers here really quick as I talk to you about this from Sports Info Solutions. But I believe that the Cowboys were actually one of the most aggressive teams when it came to uh, when it came to up tempo. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get this right now because the site is kind of acting up. Uh, no, I will. I will. So the Cowboys were, according to Sports Info Solutions, eighth highest rate of no huddle offense. And they were the most successful team out of no huddle in 2021. I could definitely see that. I would like it if the Cowboys lean on that on this game. So for sure. And there you go. There You have the numbers now. Top 10 team in frequency of no huddle offense And they had the highest success rate there. Matthew says, Mauricio, I hate to be a downer, but I think we will start the season 0-2. Listen, I don't have a prediction yet for the Cowboys-Buccaneers game. I definitely do not have a prediction for the Week 2 game versus the Cincinnati Bengals. They're both home games. It's possible. It is possible that they start 0-2. And even that, uh, although it will be a, a frustrating news cycle, maybe, even then it's not going to be the end of the year, right? Especially when you have games versus the Giants uh, and Washington and and even the Eagles after that. Uh, I know that the Rams game is somewhere there as well. But, hey, if they do start 0-2, I know it sounds crazy to say it right now, but season will be far from over. We we all have to know that, and hopefully, they they end up with a one on one something like that. Latina says no huddle and let Dak call plays. You're right. We won the Super Bowl last season. His name, uh, yeah. Somebody said that the fact that this guy was called name was kind of a major troll alert. What is up, Lorenzo? He says, greetings, Mo. What do you think of Brett Maher? Could he be difference between a win or a loss in game one? Well, yeah, yeah, he could be, he could be. I mean, I have not forgotten how the Cowboys box game ended last year. And I think I would feel maybe even better about Greg Sorline than I do about Brett. It's difficult, you know, if we want to be optimists about it, I mean, kicking is a rhythm thing, so maybe the Cowboys did get a better version of Brett Maher. Uh, sadly, though, I do think that he could be the difference between a win or a loss in Game One. Lorenzo, we saw that happen last year with an unreliable kicker in Greg the Leg. We saw the fact that this is a two-point game according to the sports books, according to the odds makers. This will be a tight close football game. So so I could see it being being a difference. I, I I cannot lie to you and tell you that I am confident in Brett or anything like that. Professor Odo has some good news for you. He says that good news, folks. I have cracked the secret to time travel and can confirm that Dallas will beat Tampa Bay. Source, just trust me, bro. There you go. There you go. Shout out to Rick Paul, who is representing Bengals Nation that will be a fun game. That will be a fun team to follow. At least that's what I understood from the Day, uh comment in there at Facebook. Tom says, I feel the offense could be surprising. It could. It could if Dak Prescott plays like he was before the calf injury last year. Now, that takes us to the other matchup. And this might sound boring, but I know we just talked about the left guard center thing. For, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if the Cowboys end up winning on the interior offensive line in this game, I would that, that's a matchup that could make or break this this uh, season opener matchup versus Tampa as well. Now, this one is a tough one. Last year, you had Connor Williams, Tyler Biotish, and Connor McGovern as your offensive line core. And when I say core, I mean your two guards and your center. This time it will be probably a, a better core, I guess. Uh, you, you have Sack Martin in there. And many probably forgot about the fact that Sack Martin was not available to the Cowboys in week one last year, but he was. And I think that just based on the fact that Sack Martin, is a part of these three players. You're talking about a much improved unit. I don't know where the Cowboys will be sliding towards most of the game, but you know you don't have to worry about sack margin. He, he will take care of his assignment each and every play, and he will help out those around him. So that means Terrence Gill and, and Tyler it, that's, that's a big game changer. However, on the left side of things, you have to be worried about Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern playing side to side just based on the fact that both of them are question marks. We don't know enough about Tyler Smith. And we saw Connor McGovern play last year and it wasn't great. So this, this will be a game in which interior offensive line could end up defining the ball game both sides. Let's see. Uh Kenneth Fraser says, "How come I how come I can't give you a like for watching? It won't let me." I don't know if you if that was a comment for somebody else Kenneth, you should be able to like the video though. And by the way, do me a favor. If you like the show, hit the like button, share the stream. It takes about 5 seconds to hit that thumbs up, and it really really helps out the show because that's how the algorithm works for some uh, funny reason. so make sure you do that, hit the like button, and if you're new here, remember that we are live on primetime every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. And hey, there is a fun week ahead of us, by the way. We've got Evan Winter joining the show tomorrow night. He is the ADC Sports Managing Editor of the website, and he has covered the Tampa Bay Bucs for a while now. So Evan Winter will be here to talk some Bucs-Cowboys game, uh, give us his insight, his scout take maybe on Tampa. That will be fun. Later, we'll talk about maybe some matchups on Wednesday. And of course, every Thursday, we have these kind of preview segments in which we do a prediction for the game. And then... We do a betting betting the Cowboys segment, and now I do have to warn you though. It's obvious since I write about ten articles per week. I do about five shows more than that actually per week. It's obvious that my life, one way or another, revolves around the Dallas Cowboys. However, when we get into the predictions, you will not get homer predictions from me. If I if I honestly think. The Cowboys are going to lose. That will be the prediction. Uh, that, that's just because my goal has always been to remain objective in front of the camera and the microphone. Because I honestly think that most people watching watch because of that. More than just to get a, a cheerleader for the team, right? So get ready for that. If you don't like that, maybe you can skip the Thursday shows or anything. Just Just know that when the game comes on, I am definitely rooting for the Cowboys. <laughs> Who remembers when Des and Wilcox fought back in 2014, says Matthew. Those fights were fun. Way over five and a half Sunday nights lunatic. Let's see. What are we talking there? Oh, over under of the number of te- of times we see Jerry during the game. Says toxic, Tom. Hey, hopefully it's an over because if it's over, then it means that the, the game is close, right? And, and that's what we want. Unless it's the other way around. Anyways, before we get out of here, though, hit the like button and we've got an NFC playoff picture for you guys. Let me know your opinion. What you like, what you don't like about my NFC playoff picture. What would you change? Because I ranked the four division champions and then I had the three wildcard teams. It's tough to put together. But here's how I look at the NFC shaking out. I have the Green Bay Packers surprisingly at number one. And I say surprisingly because at the beginning of the offseason, I didn't expect to rank them this high. But they do have an easy schedule compared to the Rams, for example. They're above average in the NFL in strength of schedule. I worry about the Vikings a little bit in the NFC North, uh, looking at it from a Packers perspective. But I like what LaFleur and Rodgers have done for the last few years. They have one of the best offenses in the league. And as such, I have them at number one. At number two, I have the Tampa Bay Bucs. They have the seventh easiest strength of schedule. So even though they have plenty of question marks, I have them at number two in the NFC. Number three, the LA Rams. And I'm not even that sure about that one because they have the second most difficult schedule in the entire nfl the 49ers will not be easy to beat nor uh will the cardinals the Seattle seahawks will be though they will be easy to beat but the rams do not have an easy schedule in point they have a game versus the buffalo bills this uh thursday night and then i've got the cowboys at fourth i think they win the nfc East. i think that they are your division champions This would be, I don't know how common it is for the four division champions to repeat as such. So I have some questions there, but there you go. And then as the wildcard teams have the Philadelphia Eagles, I think they have one of the best rosters in the league. And even if Jalen Hurts is not what uh, Eagles fans want him to be, I think they will win some games. San Francisco 49ers at number six. I am a Trey Lance believer. And as such, I need to include them in the playoffs. Plus, they do face the third team easiest schedule. The Eagles, by the way, they have the second easiest schedule. And when I say this, I am talking about using projected win totals for each team instead of last year's record for for each team. And lastly, at number seven, I do have the Minnesota Vikings. They have a they have top offense. Believe it or not. The Vikings might be in the conversation. To be a top 10 offense. In this NFL league. So watch out for the Vikings. I know it's Harry Cossons. I know about the primetime record. I know about all of that. But watch out for Minnesota. They might end up. Being a. Major, major surprise in the NFC. Like. They could even beat the Packers, honestly, uh, for the division, I mean. And I know that sounds crazy because I am ranking one at number one, at one at number seven. But that's the kind of impact you can get if you beat the Packers, for example, in week one because they do face each other in week one. Let's see some of your thoughts, though, on my playoff picture. Professor Oses I had the Vikings beating Green Bay in the division, actually. Uh, hey, Kevin O'Connell will be fun. Chak says, I would say the Vikings should be higher than the Eagles. Let's see. They also have a running back at a quarterbacks as the Lunatic. Chicago Cardinals were the first team in the NFL, so Brooklyn, Joe. Arizona instead of Philly, says so Lunatic. San Francisco misses the playoffs as Professor O. Six to midnight with one that I love and one that I struggled with. Saints making the wild card. I could see that. And now... Keep this in mind. And this is always a mind-blowing stat. There have been 32 consecutive seasons. Think about that. 32 consecutive seasons of minimum four teams being in the playoffs that were not there the year before. 32 years. It is essentially a rule in the NFL that there will be four new teams in the playoffs each and every year. Last season, with six wildcards, there were seven new teams. That's the one part that I don't like about my own prediction. I would like to have more new teams in here because the Eagles made it last season. The 49ers also did. But then again, I do look at the AFC and I do feel better about So many teams making it as new teams because you've got the Chargers missing out last year, the Broncos, the Colts, the Miami Dolphins, the Baltimore Ravens. That's not even getting into even more dark horse kind of teams like the Raiders and stuff. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that was the show. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I sure did. Uh, Hope that you guys continue to enjoy your Labor Day, and, you know, it's back to work tomorrow. But, hey, hey, it's easier when you know that on Thursday night you get the NFL kickoff and that on Sunday night you get your Dallas Cowboys playing on that TV. Or for those of you who are going to the stadium, of course, you're also going to enjoy that. Now, I hope that you have a fantastic Monday night. I will get, you know, I will continue to watch the Clemson Tigers, my college football team, and, hey, Hope that you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, do me a favor and hit the like button. Also, make sure that you remember that primetime was brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Check out the Ride of the Week on freemanmazda.net. Hit the like button, it helps the stream a lot. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I uh, hope you had a great Labor Day, Sis Joy. I definitely did. Thank you. Thank you to Six to Me and that and all of you. I will see you tomorrow here on ADC Sports Dallas. Bye-bye. Adios.